Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church today. I'm so glad that you're here. If you're visiting with us for the first time, a warm welcome. And a warm welcome to everyone, really. And to those who are online joining us, a welcome to you as well. And it's just so good to be together as church. Um, I don't know about you, I love being part of the family of God. I don't, I can't actually imagine life without Jesus in my life and without my brothers and sisters in my life. Um, and it's such a privilege to be part of the family of God. So we're here as the family of God to worship God. And, you know, I, I really hope that we can open up our hearts as, as we worship today. And we are going to do communion today. Um, that's as much for the people online so that they can get prepared as well. Um, and we're really just going to focus on Jesus today because he's the reason that we're here. We're here to worship God and we can only do that through what he has done for us, what he has accomplished on our behalf. And, uh, you know, as we take communion, we remember that Jesus died for us. We remember that he rose again. We remember that we have an eternal hope and an eternal future. And really, we, we just want to worship God for all that he's done for us this morning. Are you ready to worship God? Good. So glad to hear that. Um, if you're able to stand, please stand. We're going to uh, pray and then we're going to worship. Um, you don't need to keep standing all the way through, but if you do want to do that, that's fine. Um, and just feel free to express your praise and worship to God uh, this morning. Father, we thank you that you are here. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all that he has accomplished. Father, we thank you for his life, his death, his resurrection. We thank you for his ascension. We know that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is seated at your right hand, Father, and he intercedes on our behalf. He makes prayers. He stands alongside us, and he represents us before you. And Father, we thank you that we are clothed uh, in his righteousness. It's like, it's like a, a new set of clothes that we put on, his righteousness. And Father, we thank you that we uh, can stand before you in his righteousness today. Father, we thank you that this salvation that we enjoy isn't something that we've earned, but it's something that's been achieved for us. And we have accepted that offer of salvation by the grace that comes from your very throne. And Father, we just thank you that we don't need to work for it. We don't need to uh, try hard to be good enough. Jesus has paid the price. He has made the way possible. And that invitation is open to everyone. And so, Father, as we worship you today, as we come to take communion, we pray that you would just move amongst us today. Lord, may we meet you in our praise this morning. Father, we pray that you come and meet us in our praise, that you come and live in our praise. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.
Father, we just thank you for these incredible words that we've been singing. Father, we know that in every experience, through every storm, through every valley, through every height, Father, you are with us. You are with us continually. We thank you for your presence. Father, no matter what happens in our lives, you are there, you're with us, and Lord, we are so appreciative. Father, we don't know what we would do without you. And so, Father, we just ask that you would accept of our praise. Ask that you would accept of our gratitude this morning. In singing these songs, we recognize your grace, your lordship in our lives. And Father, we just thank you for all that you're doing in us. Lord, we pray that you continue to work in us according to your pleasure to accomplish the things which you have set for us. Lord, the the Bible says that there are things which you have prepared for us to do before the foundation of the world. Before the world was created, there were things which you had prepared for us to do, works, good works, things which you planned for us. And Father, we pray, help us to walk in all the plans that you have for us. Father, help us to to be sensitive to the the direction that you're taking us, to the way that you are leading us, we ask. I'm just going to read a few verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 11 as we prepare to take uh, communion. And Paul is uh, speaking these words to the church at Corinth. He's saying, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And what was happening here was that Jesus was giving new meaning to a festival called Passover, a Jewish festival, a Jewish celebration called Passover, where they remember the angel of death passing over them and sparing them and them coming out of Egypt. And Jesus is giving this a new meaning. One of the things that they did in that time, the original time, was they would take a lamb, they would kill that, they would take the blood and put it around the doorpost of their house as a symbol that the angel of death would pass over hence the name Passover. But Jesus gives this Passover festival new meaning because he becomes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He became that Lamb. His blood was shed for us. And one of the things that's interesting in this passage is that when he had given thanks, it's after he had given thanks that he took the bread and broke it. It's after he'd given thanks that he took the wine and passed it round. And that word thanks is actually where we get the word Eucharist from. It's a a name that some people use for this time, communion, the Lord's Supper. Some people call it Eucharist. It's uh, the very essence of this is about being grateful, about feeling thankful, about giving thanks. And so this morning, as we begin to take bread and wine, I just want to leave some space for you to give your thanks. If you want to pray out loud and express your thanks, then we're just going to have some time to do that. Not forced, you don't have to do anything, but if you want to just pray out and give your thanks, then you can do that this morning. So let's just pray. Pray over the bread before we take that, which reminds us of Jesus' uh, broken body for us on that cross, and then we'll take wine, which reminds us of his blood, which was shed for us. 
Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he endured things which we can't even begin to imagine. And Father, that he took our sin, he took the sin of the world upon himself, that he became sin for us, that we might be able to have that new garment of righteousness, those new clothes of righteousness, so that when we come and pray and we stand before you, that you see Jesus, you see him in us. Father, we thank you that our sin has been dealt with as we sung in these songs this morning. Father, that we can be free. And so, Father, we just thank you this morning. We thank you for this body which was broken for us. Let's just take the bread uh, together. And if you want to give thanks, then please feel free to do that. Father, we thank you for this wine which reminds us of the blood of Jesus which was poured out for us. And Father, we thank you that he was willing to go, that he was willing to shed his blood for us. And Father, we thank you that there is power in the blood of Jesus, power to cleanse, power to make us new, power to cover our sin, power to forgive us, power to set us free, power to heal us. Because Father, we read in Isaiah 53, that it's by his stripes we are healed. Father, it's by the shedding of his blood that we can find healing, that we can find forgiveness. And so, Father, we just pray that you would continue to move in our hearts and lives. Father, in this moment, Lord, we pray for those who need a touch in their body from you. Maybe those who need a touch in their mind from you. Father, we pray that you bring healing in these moments as we come to meet with you in these sacraments. Father, we pray that you come and meet with us and bring healing, Father, to those who need healing. Lord, for those in our fellowship who uh, just need a touch from you, Father, we think of those 
who have been praying for in recent uh, weeks and months, Lord, who need physical healing. Father, we just bring them before you, everyone. Father, for those who are grieving, Father, those who have experienced loss, Father, even this week, Father, we pray that you just bring comfort and that you bring peace and that you bring wholeness, that you bring a a fresh uh, sense of your presence and purpose. And so, Father, we pray that you'd minister to every single heart, everyone who's listening to this prayer today, Father, that you'd minister. And Father, we just pray that as we take wine now, Father, that you would receive of our thanks. We are grateful this morning, Father. We are so grateful. We just want to express that thanks. We want to express that gratitude for all that you've done for us. Father, help us to keep that in focus, to keep you in focus, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's just take wine together. Father, we just thank you for this celebration of communion. Father, we thank you that Jesus took something of the traditions that he uh, followed and he gave them new meaning, meaning for us today, 2,000 years later. And Lord, we just pray, help us to keep that in focus, that Jesus has given those things new meaning. He has shown us himself in these things. And Father, we pray, help us to really see Jesus. Father, even this week as we pick up our Bibles to read, wherever we read from, Father, we pray, help us to see Jesus in the things that we're reading. Because Father, as we said at the start, it's all about him. It's all about him. And Father, we just pray, help us to be focused on you in our lives, no matter what's happening in our lives. Father, help us to stay focused on you, we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. 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 So good that we're here. If you missed the welcome at the start, welcome. Uh, Good to have you with us. Um, I do need to do uh, something for track and trace. It's something that we do. We take a picture. I will wait until the the band are seated. Thank you to the band for playing and leading us. And uh, I don't know about you, but I really appreciate the work that they do every week. Uh, So thank you guys and to all who are involved behind the scenes as well. Just give me a second to do this bit. There we go. Thank you. Um, Just a few things I'm going to announce before we uh, do something else today. Uh, Just a reminder that next week, the clocks go back. So you get an extra hour in your bed next week. Hoorah. I'm excited about that. Uh, And also, uh, next week, Lisa uh, Ruth Lyle will be speaking with us here. She's from Fraserburgh Assemblies of God Church. Um, I have known Lisa since we were doing youth camp back in the 90s, so uh, we go way back. Um, But Lisa has headed up iKids, which is the Assemblies of God Kids Ministry, Um, so she's been heavily involved in that. Lisa also helped us. Um, with doing a thing called Jump for a Day. For those of you who've been involved in Jump for a Day, uh, Lisa helped us to get that off the ground to start with. And so, yeah, I'm looking forward to Lisa coming and speaking next week. So looking forward to that. 
And uh, also, not this Wednesday coming, we do have prayer during the week, Monday at 9.30 in the morning on Zoom, Wednesday at 7.30 at night on Zoom. Um, but not this Wednesday, but the next, we're going to have a focus on praying for our missionaries. Uh, so just so that you're aware of that, it would be really good uh, to have as many people uh, as possible attending that, uh, to add your prayers. And the more people we have, the, the better, because we, we can split up into groups and, and, and really pray for our missionaries. And uh, they really need our prayers, and they're doing a fantastic job. And I, I just want to uh, celebrate what they're doing and focus on what they're doing and pray for what they're doing. And we need to pray uh, at all times, the Bible says. That said, we're going to do something slightly different today. Um, just a little pause in our service this morning. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about senior leadership in the church. I am uh, continually thinking about leadership in the church. And we want to add to the senior leadership team. And we're going to do that today. Um, the plan had been to build... In 2020, the plan had been to build our senior leadership team in the church. And as you know, uh, things didn't quite go according to plan last year. It was a funny year in all sorts of ways. And, uh, you know, we're all aware of the challenges that COVID presented in the middle of all that as well. But we're aware that COVID has uh, taken its toll on us as a church and uh, those who've been bereaved through um, COVID-19. And I just wanted to honour... Uh, Steve uh, Giorgio today and uh, just talk about his commitment to this church and to us as a church family and to you guys and uh, I just wanted to honour Steve's memory today. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, amen. <laughs> and uh, also to honour people who have served in leadership. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I said something a few weeks ago when I was speaking. Um, do you know, sometimes as we get older in life, we get older in, in church life as well. And uh, sometimes as, as we get older, we're not able to do the same things that we used to do. And I'm going to be really specific here and spell out what I was saying a couple of weeks ago. And that is that although your role may have changed, you may not be doing the things, you might not be leading ministries the way you were. And I think about people who put this building up and people who led Sunday school and people who led groups of all sorts and were involved in all sorts of initiatives. God sees all that and God honors that and your job isn't finished yet because even and I say even and I use this word with caution if the only thing you can do is pray then what you're doing is vital to the life of the church okay so maybe your day for leading a ministry has finished but we still need your prayers we are the church you don't grow old in the church. You don't grow out of service in the church. Everybody has a part to play. And prayer is such an important part of church. And I really want to emphasize that. If we want to progress as a church, we need to be a praying church. Because that's where the power comes. Prayer, the prayer meeting is described by some as the powerhouse of the church. If we want to be a church that's going somewhere, then we need to be a praying church. 
Anyway, back to what I was talking about. Um, in, in our church, we use the term senior leadership team. We use the term senior leader. What we're referring to is uh, an elder or an overseer. Um, we used to use expressions like the oversight, which was the name for that group that we now call the senior leadership team or the elders board or the elders group. There's all sorts of names for it. Essentially, it's the people who lead the church. And in our church, senior leadership team members are appointed by the senior pastor along with the existing senior leadership team. And the qualities for being a senior leader are found in the Bible. They're found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, if you want to look them up, or Titus chapter 1, verses 7 to 9. And these are the qualities that we're looking for in leaders. So, read that for yourselves. I'm not going to go into all that just now, but I probably will touch on it over the next uh, coming weeks. And so, I said we were going to add to the senior leadership team. Um, Obviously, it's been a bit of a journey. Um, It's something that's been on my mind and in my heart, something that I've been praying about, something I've been talking about with the senior leadership team. And at this point in time, we're going to add one person to the team, and we're going to be adding uh, Stuart Lang to the senior leadership team, and I'm really pleased about that. Um, Of course, much prayer has gone into uh, this, appointing any senior leader. There's a lot of thought and prayer goes into it, and uh, I really have a, a strong sense of God's leading and guiding as well as having such a deep sense of peace about asking Stuart to come on the team. And Stuart has experience of leading in church uh, at that level, and so I value that. Um, and the qualities that we read about in those scripture passages, I have witnessed in Stuart. And so I'm very confident in appointing Stuart to the senior leadership team. Um, normally what we would do is we'd bring people out to the front, but I'm not going to do that today uh, just because of cameras and all this kind of stuff. Um, but Stuart and I, when we were talking about this, we came to a mutual agreement that we were going to just kind of like, let's do this for six months and then let's just review it. So I just wanted to be upfront about that so that you know um, leadership is something that's so important. We need to get it right and it needs to be working for everybody, um, including Stuart. And uh, Stuart's in the process of launching a business, which um, I'm really excited about. And I'm just waiting for the day when we're standing and we're amazed and watching what God's doing, Stuart. Um, And maybe you could tell us some of that story at some point in time. The other thing that I wanted to just say is that, you know, for, for me, I think there's an expectation upon leadership. If you're called to lead in any way, then there's an expectation upon leadership. And that applies to any level of leadership, whether it's myself leading the church here as the senior leader, or any other staff, or elders, or ministry leaders, any other leaders, those who help in ministries, there is an expectation. And I want us to be clear about what those expectations are as we begin to move forward. Leadership is so important in the life of the church. And I spoke a few weeks ago about Christ's gifts of leaders to the church. And uh, we'll maybe come back to that again at some point. But, but God wants the church led, and he wants it led well. The church is not a building. It's not an institution, although sometimes we can begin to think that. The church is you and I. But when you and I begin to gather, we need a degree of organization, and therefore we need leadership. Leadership is 
or has to be a focus for us as a church as we move forward. And we're planning to launch uh, a new initiative called Aspire, which is a leadership development program. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we can get some good engagement with that as we go ahead uh, and, and look to develop leaders, existing leaders and new leaders. And really that's open to everyone who wants to grow in any form of serving and leadership. So it's not just for a particular group of people. That will be open to everyone uh, for you to learn and, and grow. But it's important for me to say that leadership development isn't a program, okay? I go back to 20 years ago where I thought that leadership development was about a program. I thought about spiritual gifts and all that kind of stuff, and it was like you, you do a, a checklist and you find out what your spiritual gift is, and, you know, it's just, it, it doesn't work like that. Leadership development is a process. And I have now a good number of decades to look back on and look at the process that God has been taking me through, and I'm sure you will identify with that. If you've been involved, involved in leadership at all, you will know that there are good times and there are bad times. And sometimes it's in the process and the bad times where we do most of our growing and developing. I don't know about you, when I look back in my life, I think there are times where I just wish that had never happened, in a sense, but I realize that that's where I grew. That's where I began to understand more about myself and about God. And so it is a process, and I'm still in process Every leader who's leading anything is still in process. We're always in process of developing. And so I just want to pray uh, for the existing senior leadership team, which is uh, Sam's, Mary, myself, and now Stuart. And it's something that we're continuing to look at, uh, not just uh, for senior leaders, but also leadership across the board. But I'm, I'm going to pray in a little second, but I'm going to invite Robert up to pray. Um, Robert prays for... Our church leadership regularly, as do others, but Robert, I've just asked if he would represent all those who pray uh, for church leadership to come up. So if you could just like to do that, Robert, that would be great. Thank you. And I'll stand aside for a little second and then I'll pray. Hi, morning everybody. It's good to be here. We were away last week, so it's good to get back to God's family again. It's great. What a privilege to have the health to be here. Um, so I, I just say amen to everything that Steve, uh, Stevie said there because every organisation, church, whatever business uh, is dependent on good leadership. And I'm, I'm really pleased to say that we have good leaders in here and I really think we're going to, it's going to be enhanced by Stuart coming on. I've known Stuart for a long time. And uh, it's good to hear that Stuart's coming on to the senior leadership. So let's pray uh, for the leaders. I thank you this morning, Lord, for our leadership team. Lord, I pray your protection over them. I pray you'll give them physical and spiritual health, good health. I pray you'll give them wisdom in all the decisions they have to make. Lord, I pray you'll give them insight into the work that's to be done. I pray that your kingdom will come in this fellowship and in our town and the villages round about, uh, influenced by them. Lord, everything that they require, Lord, I just pray that you will endow them with that. You'll bless them with it. You'll bless their families and protect them at this time. And I'm asking all these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm just going to pray as well. So if we can just bow our heads one more time. And Father, I just pray that you take your spirit's power 
and that you would fill every leader in this church. Father, the senior leaders, every ministry leader, Father, I pray that you would take your power and that you would just pour it into every heart, into every life. Father, that we might be energized to do the things which you call us to do. Father, we need that energy. We can't do this on our own. It's not about us doing things in our own strength. But Father, I pray that you take that power, that strength, an ability to carry things, to take responsibility. Father, to take what you have placed in our hands and to use that with wisdom, with diligence, and with great compassion. And Father, we just pray that you would move in our hearts. And Father, I just do pray for the senior leaders. I pray for each one, Lord, that you would just have your hand upon each one. And Father, we just, we just stand before you today as those who are accountable. And Father, we ask that you would help us, Father, for every ministry leader in the church. Father, whatever level of involvement, Father, whatever is done, Lord, we just pray your blessing upon each one. And so, Father, we just pray that you would just continue to work in this church and take us from strength to strength. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Okay. I did have a clicker. Here it's here. So our message for today is entitled Stay the Course. If you have been involved in leading anything, you will know that it's a real challenge sometimes to just keep going, to keep going, to keep going, to keep going. And uh, even in life, no matter what you do in life, sometimes there's a wee challenge there to keep going, isn't there? And so my encouragement today is to stay the course. I've been thinking about the church for the last few weeks, and I believe in the church. I believe in the church. I believe that it's God's design. I believe that Jesus is the head of the church. I believe that the church, which is you and I, are his body, the expression of Christ in the world today. I believe that the same love that is expressed in God, and uh, in, in, in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that the love that they express is the same love that God wants to express in and through the church. And I want to encourage us and remind us that we need to be like Christ. We need to be like him, and we must have the hallmark of love. We've been thinking about that just over the last couple of weeks. We need to have the hallmark of love, and love can only be expressed through engagement with one another and with God, with God in worship and in service, with others in the church through acts of kindness, with those who are not part of the church yet, and even as the Bible talks about with our enemies, who's ever found it difficult to love your enemy. Yeah? There's a few people who are honest in here today. Um, but I wanted to just think about uh, this passage from the Bible. It's Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. And it says, Thus says the Lord, Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies and walk in it and find rest for your souls. If we want to find rest for our souls, we need to get into the way that God has for us and walk in that way. Sadly, for the people that this is written to, they said, we will not walk in it. We always have a choice. Everybody has a choice. Jeremiah was a prophet to Judah in the time leading up to the exile in Babylon, the man who's writing this. He warned the people as did other prophets repeatedly, they warned the people that they had an opportunity to turn from their ways, to follow God's ways, and God would have mercy on them. 
And yet they didn't listen. They continued in their way. And what happened was they went into exile. For those in Judah, they went into exile in Babylon. They were standing at a crossroads and they had a choice. They were clearly presented with a message, choose God's way and it will go right. Choose your own way and things are going to go wrong. And the same message comes to us time and time and time again. Thus says the Lord, stand at the crossroads. And we come to crossroads in our lives all the time. And as we come to a crossroads, we need to make a choice. It's a time of decision. And when we come to the crossroads, when we choose one way, we're rejecting at least three other ways. The way we've been coming and two other ways, one to the left and one to the right. And God encourages us to follow his way. Every opportunity has a cost. Every decision we make has a cost because when we choose one way and reject another, there is a cost to that. There are some things that we're going to lose. But these people were encouraged to look. It says, and look. Stand at the crossroads and look. As I was preparing this message, I was listening to Rai Kuder, for those who've ever listened to that, and uh, others who've talked about crossroads, if you're into the blues. We need to stop long enough to truly consider our options. We tend not to do that. We tend to rush ahead. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And sometimes we go the wrong way. And sometimes we go the long way. (laughs) Sometimes we take our own way and God says, okay, you can go that way. It's going to take you a long time to get to where I want you to go. And we can take the long way. But the advantage that we have is that we have thousands of years of history of God leading people that we can read in the Bible and we can see how people made choices. And when we learn from them, we can save ourselves a lot of time. But life's a process. And sometimes we make the wrong decisions. And sometimes we have to go the long way around in order to get to where God is wanting us to be. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way lies. Ask other people. Ask for advice. And then walk in it and find rest for your souls. And this is the point. When we go God's way, we find rest for our souls. And what did David say? You lead me beside quiet waters. You lead me in green pastures. And when we allow God to lead us, what does he say? You restore my soul. You restore my soul. There are times when my soul needs restored, and it can only be restored when I follow God's way. There's a place where I go beside quiet waters and green pastures where I find my soul restored. I go there to pray. I go there to be alone, to have solitude, to just say, okay, here I am again. I'm struggling. I need that rest for my soul. And when we go to that, when I go to that place, God restores my soul. Walk in it, find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. And they, like us, had a choice. We always have a choice. The question is, will we follow God's way for our life? It's so easy to follow our own way. I just wanted to ask some questions to be a bit of a challenge, to provoke thought today, but also to encourage us in the right way to go. 
And th this is the first question. Where are you in your Christian journey? Where are you in your walk with God? What is God saying to you at the moment? What is God showing you in Scripture at the moment? What is God doing in you at the moment? Challenging questions. Sometimes when we ask these questions, we talk about something that God did two years ago, ten years ago. Remember when this happened? And that's good. But the question is, what's God doing just now? Has he got you in process? How have you grown in the last 12 months? Where have you been challenged? Maybe it is to love your enemies. Ultimately, are you moving as a Christian? Are you walking with God and are you going in the right direction? And then the most important question of all, are we nearly there yet? How many times have you heard that question in the car? Are we nearly there yet? <laughs> no, stop asking. Well, no. And, and we ask that question. I ask that question as a leader of the church. Are we nearly there yet? Are, are we ready yet? You know, what do we need to do? Are we, are we taking a right turn when we should have taken a left? Are we going forward instead of going back? Where are we at, Lord? Are we nearly there yet? God always has us in process. He's always doing something in us. It's a bit like that game, Snakes and Ladders. Have you ever played that game, Snakes and Ladders? This is a picture of a Snakes and Ladders game from 1903, wherein the board in those days, they had actually moral things. So, for example, kindness leads to reward. Pride, where is it? If you followed the snake all the way down, what does pride leads to? A, a fall. The Bible tells us that. And on snakes and ladders in the olden days, when I was young, no, <laughs> in those days, they actually had a moral aspect to it. And I thought, it's really interesting. Life is like that. Sometimes we feel we're making progress. Sometimes we feel we're making big jumps. And then there are other times where we just hit the wrong square and we go all the way back. And we go, here I am again. Why did I let that happen? Why did I think that? Why did I do that? Why did I say that? And it can cause us to lose our footing as Christians. Interesting, isn't it interesting that it's a snake that's the object of kind of losing their way and going back? A symbol of the devil in the Bible. But it's not just us as individuals, it's us as a church. For the last 44 years, since 1977, we have been on a journey. God formed this body of believers back in 1977, and many have come to faith in this church. Many uh, have grown in their faith, and many have served God in this church over the years. And we've impacted our community around us, and God still has a purpose for this church. Do you believe that? God still has a purpose for this church. I'm going to put up just some pictures of the journey, as it were, um, the, the building as the foundations were going down. Keith, you'll remember that. You were involved in those days where the foundations were going down. And then the building as it began to be re rejuvenated a wee bit, answer going up. Isn't there something funny about that photograph? What's missing, Robert? The porch the porch in front of Answer. So that's how it used to look, and then they decided it was too drafty, so we need to build a porch to keep the draft out. All 
change all progress. This is 1992 when this extension was opened and we had a celebration in here. We have this on video and uh, this is a very young Andrew Smith who had his northeast accent at that point in time. If you want to see the video, I can upload it and you can watch it. It's fantastic. And we're playing Celebrate, Jesus Celebrate. And the, pack, the, the whole place is packed and there are people jumping and bobbing about as we're singing praise to God. And then this young whippersnapper back in 1992 playing the guitar, sitting over in that corner. And then... <laughs> life goes on. There was a point in time where in the church it was only Robert and I who were the only musicians leading worship. Um, and, that, and in those days we had a Sunday morning, a Sunday night, and a Wednesday. Um, and it was just the two of us. Uh, so those were interesting days. And then, you know, more pictures of renovation to the building here. Um, you'll recognize yourself if you're watching this. Um, and then we're pretty good at celebrating as well, having feasts, aren't we? Who remembers those happy days in the church where we'd have tables with food and we'd sit around a table and eat together and laugh and do all those things? Isn't that amazing? Do you know, it's just such a distant memory because of COVID. We know how to celebrate Christmas. We do it well. We know how to help other people with food. Do you remember that picture, Kathleen? Yes. People getting hampers uh, through the food bank. And then we know how to celebrate and to party as well. Who remembers those happy days when we had parties in the church? <laughs> Great times. And then there's last year, which looks a bit more like this. You know, church at home, watching yourself on the telly. Oh, that was terrible. I don't want to go back to those days. But just a reminder that we as a church, we need direction and we need movement. And, and as individuals, we need direction and we need movement. And I want to encourage us to remember that we exist to emulate Jesus and to impact the world with his love and his grace. We exist to be like Jesus. And that's the challenge for us. That's why I ask those questions. Are we being like Jesus? Are we being transformed to be like him? I've almost run out of time and I'm only halfway through. I want to encourage us to think about how we navigate through life. If you want to navigate, you need a compass. Who all knows how to use a compass? One or two people, maybe. Good. Some people were in the Boy Scouts or the Boys Brigade. What is our compass? What helps us to navigate through life? I think we each need to have an internal compass. We call that a moral compass. There needs to be something of uh, value in our lives that keeps us heading in the right track. And the first thing that I think about when I think about our internal moral compass is our conscience. Our conscience is our basic underlying morality. It's that voice inside us that speaks up when we do something wrong. What are those underlying principles? Well, we could read the Ten Commandments to find them. Things like honesty, not telling lies. And just to remind us all, there isn't a white lie and a black lie. Okay. There is truth and there is lies. There is no in-between. There is no white lies. Integrity, fairness in attitude in words and in actions, kindness, faithfulness, purity in our thoughts. And if our conscience is calling out to us when we mess up, then it's working. That's a good thing. 
If you do something wrong and you, you have this voice inside your head saying, nah, you shouldn't have done that, you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have made that choice, then that's a good thing. Your conscience is working. The second part to our internal compass is conviction. And conviction can mean two things. It can mean a deeply held belief, and that's a good thing, or a pronouncement of guilt. That's not such a good thing when we are convicted of something. And the Holy Spirit brings conviction. Let me make that really clear. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. If we feel condemnation, it's probably not the Holy Spirit. It might be ourselves. It might be somebody else. It might be the devil trying to get us down. When the Holy Spirit brings conviction, it pushes us in the right direction back towards God. When we feel condemnation, what we try to do is hide away from God. That's the difference. And we need to be aware of the times when we've fallen from grace and get ourselves back into the way that God has for us. But we need a deep inner conviction, something that drives us and keeps us moving towards God moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, so that we're continually following him. The third thing in our moral compass, I think, is compassion. Are we driven by compassion for other people? And if your compass isn't pointing north, and I'm talking about that kind of compass, it doesn't matter whether you know how to use a compass or not, you're always going to get lost. If it's not calibrated, if it's not pointing true north, then it's never going to work. And we need to keep ourselves calibrated, we need to keep ourselves right. To guide ourselves through life, to navigate through life, and just to keep on this analogy, this is my brother's maps, not mine. And uh, he did a lot of walking uh, at one point in time. But if we to think about a map, what would the spiritual analogy be? What would be the spiritual aspect of that? It would be our Bibles. It's in our Bibles that we see the landscape as God sees it. It's through our Bibles that God speaks to us. And he shows us not only the landscape of the decisions that we're facing, the landscape of our own lives as well. And he wants to lead us forward in the things that he has for us. But he shows us himself. We see Jesus in the Bible. Jesus, the Bible says, is the word become flesh. Jesus himself said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If we want to find Jesus, I'm, I'm actually able to see all the people who try to read the names on the maps. <laughs> sorry, if, sorry if that slide's been a distraction to you. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the way. He is the way to God, the way to a relationship with God, the way to that rest, that soul rest that we're talking about this morning. He is the way into eternal life before God. He is the truth. Truth is summed up in Jesus. He is the embodiment of truth. We live in a world which has rejected absolute truth. Well, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me. Well, if that's what you believe, that's okay. And as long as you're not hurting anybody, it doesn't work. It doesn't make logical sense. Either something's true or it's not true. It can't be true for you and not true for me. It's either true or false. There needs to be an understanding that there are absolute truths. There is only one life. 
that real life, and it starts when Jesus comes into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, and it goes on into eternity. And it's only possible because Jesus died for us. It's only possible because Jesus died for us. And we need to keep persevering in these things. Jesus never changes. Everything else in life changes, but he is the one constant who never changes. If you were a sailor, there may have been a day when you navigated by the stars. If you look north in the sky at night and you find the plow, if you know what the plow looks like, the Big Dipper or the frying pan or whatever you call it, there are two stars at the end of that, and if you extrapolate a line up, you come to what's known as the pole star. And if you're looking at the pole star, you're facing north. And all the other stars change position except the pole star. Everything else changes except the pole star. If you've ever seen those pictures of camera tra star trails, and you see one in the middle and all the other stars going round about it, have you ever seen that kind of picture? The one in the middle is the pole star. If you're facing the pole star, it will never move. It's the one star that you can navigate by. And Jesus is like that. He is the one constant in our lives. Everything else can shift and change, but he never changes. And I want to encourage us to persevere and look into him. I came across this little quote, a river cuts through rock not because of its power, but because of its persistence. We need to keep going. We need to stay the course. We need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Paul put it this way, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The upward call. He's at the top of the ladder saying, up you come. Come and see. I want to show you something new. And we need to respond to that call. And Jesus says, when he's calling us, this is what he says, come to me, all that are weary, all that are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is there anybody in here today who needs soul rest? You need to find that peace deep inside your soul. We live in troubled times. Jesus is the one constant. And if we search after him, we will find that soul rest. We will find peace in him. He will give us that peace. We all want peace. But there's a peace that can be ours, a soul rest. Even in the middle of difficulties, in the middle of crises, in the middle of storms, but it comes from responding to that upward call. Come up. Come up. I want to show you something. God has sent to some people in here today. Come up. I want to show you something. I want to show you something new. He wants to show you something new about himself, about the way that he wants to work in you and in the church. And we need to respond to that call. We're standing at the crossroads. I hear the song in my head. <laughs> For those who know that song. Standing at the crossroads, and if we don't know which way to go, we need to ask God, 
We need to ask perhaps other people for some advice. And when he says, this is the way, then walk in the way that he shows you and keep trusting. Today, I want to encourage you to stay the course. Living for God today. Today, not about what God did yesterday. What is God doing today? Live for God today. Forget the former things. Behold, I do a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness, a road in the desert. God wants to do something new. I believe this with all my heart. I preached on the suddenlies of God earlier this year. I believe God wants to do something new in our community, in this church, and out through this church, and other churches as well. God wants to do something new today. I encourage us to get before God, to keep facing Him when we're standing at that crossroads, and we we don't know necessarily which way is the right way, because when we look down the path, we can only see so far. You can't see the end of the journey when you're standing at the crossroads. You can only say, this is the way, and follow God's lead, and He will lead you, and whatever happens on that path, He will lead you. Let's just close uh, our time together in prayer today. And let's just come before God for a minute. For those who need that soul rest, for those who need that restoration, that restoration of peace, that restoration of that sense of belonging, that you are a child of God, that you are his son, that you are his daughter. For those who need that restoration of peace, Father, I pray today that you would come and that you would bring that restoration. Father, that you would just flood hearts and lives with your peace. Father, for those who are trying to make some decisions just now and who are standing perhaps at a crossroads in life, Father, we pray that you would make your will so clear to them. And I think of what Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The things that we run after in life, moving like the stars, changing their position in the sky. And sometimes it's like that with life. The things that we're chasing after, we never seem to be able to quite get a hold of them because they continue to move and shift. But Jesus never changes. He is that one constant in our lives. And Father, we pray, help us to seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness. And Father, we know that the other things that are in our lives, Father, things which we need will be added to us. Father, we ask that you would continue to lead us as your people, as your church, and take us into the things which you have for us. And Father, we pray over every person who's in this room today, those who are joined online, and Father, we ask that your hand of blessing would be upon each one. Father, you know every need, physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, something that's happening in the workplace, something that's happening in school, in college, in university, something that's happening at home. Father, those areas where we feel out of control, Father, we pray that you just come and demonstrate your presence in those situations. And Father, we just pray, maybe there are people listening today who have never made a decision to follow Jesus, never made a decision to invite you into their lives. And Father, we pray that you'd move by your Spirit and take us to that place where we see Jesus for the first time. Bring us to that place of the cross. 
And I just want to pray a prayer for those who have maybe never invited Jesus into the life. And you can repeat this prayer after me into the quietness of your own heart. Just repeat it within yourself. And if you pray this prayer, tell somebody that you've prayed it. We need to believe in our hearts. We need to speak it out. We need to confess with our mouths. We need to tell somebody else that we've made that decision. And so if, you, if you've never prayed a prayer to invite God into your life, then this is, this is a, an opportunity to do that. Whether you're in person in the house here today or whether you're online in your own home, Father, we just pray that you would move by your spirit and that you would stir hearts. Pray this prayer after me. Dear God, I need your direction in my life. I need you to come and be my guide. I need you to come and lead me. I ask that you would forgive me for the times when I went my own way and when I've made the wrong decision and when I've found myself going down a dead end. Help me to follow your way for my life. Come in to my heart through your spirit. Make me clean so that I can stand in your righteousness and lead me. Lead me to still waters. Lead me to green pastures. Lead me in the plans which you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, let somebody know. And uh, today, I just want to encourage us, we are the church. Let's keep pressing forward. Let's keep pressing into the things which God has for us. And if you want prayer for something, just feel free to let us know, and we'll be happy to pray for you. So the Lord bless you, keep you, have a great week, and uh, I hope that you continue to follow all that he has for you. Amen.